All right, today we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, Paul here in the early verses carries further the thought at the end of the last chapter. By the way, this is an example of how <laughs> the chapter divisions as we know them in the Bible, which weren't put in place until well over a thousand years after the New Testament was completed, they're not always helpful. Uh, <laughs> Paul finished the last chapter talking about how even the hardships we face in the Christian life are not uh, well, they're fully redeemed. They they are. I was going to say are not, but they are fully redeemed by the Lord and will be rewarded and multiplied in joy in heaven. And Paul carries on that same thought in the early part of this chapter. Um, and as he concludes in verse 8, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. But as the chapter moves forward, he turns again to the mission that we have as Christians and followers of the Lord to be ambassadors for Christ wherever we go. Uh, a few noteworthy points here. I just want to zoom in on on uh, for just a minute. So first first thing, uh, we'll talk about three things today. But um, the first thing is, who are we aiming to please? Paul says outright in verse 9, we make it our aim to please him. Namely, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the him there. We make it our aim to please him. It was Paul's aim and should be the aim of every Christian, myself and you, to please the Lord Jesus every day, every moment of our lives. We exist for him and for his glory. And we see, for example, Colossians 1.16, Romans 11.36. It says it over and over. We exist for him and for his glory. Paul knows that if we were created by God to glorify God in all that we do, then that must be the very thing that, that will be the most satisfying to us as well. If God created us for that purpose, then we will find most the most happiness, peace, satisfaction in fulfilling that very purpose. And so Paul says, we make it our aim to please him. Verse 9. That, though, uh, even though we were created for that purpose, is something that we do not naturally do. We are, not, we are naturally self-centered. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking of my own heart here, and I know you're like me. We are naturally self-centered and self-seeking. I mean, I am. This is why Jesus said in Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. He didn't say let him deny himself things, let him deny himself X, Y, or Z. Rather, deny himself. Because we often put ourselves as our number one priority. Jesus says if we want to come after him and be his disciple, we must deny ourselves and aim to please him in all that we do. The problem is, we aren't that way by nature, and we can't change ourselves by our own power to be that way. It must be a work of God in us, in salvation, to save us from ourselves and turn us toward Christ. And this is indeed what he has done. Paul goes on in verse 15 to say of Jesus, He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sakes died and was raised. Jesus died that we might receive all the benefits of his salvation, um, among which include the gift of the Holy Spirit who helps us to die to ourselves daily and follow Christ, aiming to please him in every way. So keep that in mind each day as you wake up. Just, just as you cannot serve God in money, you cannot serve God in yourself. You, you'll find more joy and more peace and more satisfaction in this life serving him rather than serving yourself. And God has equipped you and me to do that very thing. Secondly, let's think about a new creation. One of the most uh, well-known, probably the most well-known verse in this chapter is verse 17, where Paul 
famously declares, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Um, Paul loves this, this creation imagery to describe the Christian. He already used it uh, in the last chapter when he talked about our being born again. It is like God saying to creation, let there be light. He says that same thing to our hearts. And we're new people in every way. We, we, uh, we aren't changing ourselves, uh, but God is changing us day by day as we walk with him. If the Lord isn't changing you, I'm not saying... Uh, it's not always true that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before in the in our in our practice. Some days are hard. I mean, it is sweeter in the sense that we are one day closer to heaven and that he has not left us nor forsaken us. But but we are fallen and not every day feels as sweet as it was the day before. But on the whole, if we're not being changed whatsoever, then we're probably not walking with him. And if we're not walking with him, it may be a sign we have deeper questions in our own hearts. But a Christian is a new creation. Perfect? No. But new. We have new life, new outlook, new purpose, new power to live out those things. And if, you, if, you, if you're prone to anxiety in your heart, uh, you need to consider that, because people who struggle with anxiety in their heart may say, when any time uh, there is talk about examine the fruit of your life, the anxious heart often looks and say, I don't see fruit. What does that say about me? Well, know this, that the fact that you are anxious about those things or the fact that you, do, you are concerned, let me put it that way, that you are concerned about fruit or lack of fruit in your life is evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in you. Uh, because if the Holy Spirit was absent from your life, which is true of every believer, there would be not a care in the world about these things. Let's think finally about uh, Jesus, our substitute. Um, this is the... The, the final verse of the chapter, one of the most profound in the, in the whole Bible. Uh, Brother Al calls this the, the gospel in a single sentence. Uh, verse 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in, in him we might become the righteousness of God. I, I can't even uh, begin here to bring out the full depths of this verse, but just say a little bit about its beauty. The beauty of this verse lies in its clear articulation of the fact that everything Jesus did, and especially what he did on the cross, was as a substitute for all who would ever believe in him. The, the first three words of the verse are, for our sake he made him who to be sin. For our sake. What happens afterwards, uh, whatever else is said in the verse is was done for our sake, for us and in our place. That's the language of, substitution now what does paul say happened to jesus as he was serving as our substitute well, paul says that although jesus knew no sin he was made to be sin for us that is an overwhelming statement jesus knew no sin that's a clearly stated uh, here it's clearly stated in hebrews 4 15 uh like, made to be like us in every way yet without sin um first peter 2 22 in him was no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Never once did, did Jesus do anything forbidden by God in word or thought or deed. And likewise, never did he fail to do anything. He always did everything that he was commanded to do in word and thought and deed. Put differently, he deserved nothing that happened to him on the cross. We did, but he did not. And in that perfect and sinless state, in his judgment ordeal before God the Father, he was made, as the verse said, to be sin. 
That means because he had no sin of his own, our sin was laid on him. God the Father was treating God the Son as if he had lived my life and your life. The end result, because Jesus fully bore the weight of divine judgment against our sin, it is, it is that we can now, as the verse puts it, become the righteousness of God. In other words, just as God the Father treated Jesus as if he lived my life and your life, he can now treat us as if we had lived Jesus' life, perfect and sinless. Bottom line, God gave Jesus what we deserve so that God could give us what Jesus deserves. That's a beautiful truth to end these thoughts from 2 Corinthians chapter 5.